Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello. In this episode, I'm joined by gorgeous person of porn, eminent neuroscientist, and notorious ginger. Leander, who's going to tell us how I told my mother that I am a sex worker. Spoiler alert, he doesn't do it with a DVD of his greatest hits. You're listening to Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring without them. Where would you like me to begin? It's your story. (laughs) It's my story. That's true. This is the story about how I told my mother that I am a sex worker, which was something that I did because a line that often gets thrown at sex workers on Twitter or other social media or in conversations is, what if your mother knew what you were doing? Or if your mother found out or your mother must be ashamed. People always like to refer to the mother as a sort of final judge and jury about what is and isn't acceptable. So that got me thinking one day, why don't I tell my mother? What if my mother did find out? And what I quickly realized as I asked myself all of those questions is that probably my mother would be fine. She's a sensible, open-minded woman, and I think it would be an unfair underestimation of her character that she couldn't deal with this. And so I thought that it was important that I did tell my mother But I had to think about how to do that because to complicate matters, my mother lives in Australia and I live here in London. It's the sort of thing which I think most people would say is best done in person. It's one of those things that you sort of need to look someone in the eye and hold their hand and speak in a slow voice and tell them I have something to tell you. But I mean, that just wasn't going to work because flights are expensive. So I decided to write her a letter And I thought if I was happy with the way that the letter came out, if I thought the letter said what I wanted it to say, then I would send that to her. And the more I wrote it, the more I thought that actually there were advantages to writing this in one single piece of writing, which she could read slowly in her own time. She could go back over bits. She would have it to keep forever so that You know, if ever she was confused about something or couldn't remember some details that she could go back and she would always have that as a kind of record of the thing that I had told her. Whereas, you know, conversations are nice and they're personal, but they're ephemeral. They they disappear as soon as the words are out and people misremember things and people forget things and that's all very normal and that's all very okay, but it's not very helpful if you need to get a lot of information across to somebody in a very short space of time, particularly if that information I think is something that they're not expecting and is a bit shocking because they're likely to mentally fixate on certain points and turn points over in their head while you're still speaking and they might might not be listening to you while you're you know moving on to the next point. As I wrote the letter, I really started to realize that I was very happy with this as a medium of communication to get this message across that she was almost certainly not expecting, but which I felt was important. And so to the letter itself. I think 
the beginning is very important as it usually is. <laughs> and I think what I wanted to do first of all was to be reassuring. I think perhaps mothers, parents generally are prone to worry about their children, particularly when they live on the other side of the planet. So I began the letter very simply by saying, there's no reason to be alarmed. I'm not sick or in trouble. Nothing bad has happened to me or to anyone close to me. And I felt that that just kind of like, <laughs> so whatever else happens, you know that I'm not sitting in a hospital somewhere and I'm not about to tell you something that's going to cause you significant distress. And then I just went on and said, there's just something I've never told you, which I'd like to tell you. And this only really works if I just dive straight in. So here goes. And then I basically said that in addition to being a neuroscientist, which is kind of my, my I never know what to call it. Do you know that? I, I hesitate to say my real job because they're both my real job. In addition to being a sex worker, I'm also a neuroscientist. Maybe that's all that needs to be said. Let's not attach labels to things that don't need labels. It's fun to do it that way around as well. Like, as well as being a sex worker, I'm also a neuroscientist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do have this secret life as, a, as an academic. <laughs> Don't tell anyone, especially my mother. <laughs> what would your mother think what if would she my mother knew think you were a scientist? If she knew I was getting involved in academia. <gasps> Goodness. Uh, so I just, so yeah. So then I, in a very short sentence, just said, as well as being a neuroscientist, I'm also a porn actor and I'm also an escort. And then I, in brackets, told her that that meant I have sex for money because I'm not sure she necessarily would have known what an escort was. Like a bodyguard or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I work in security, mother. <laughs> uh, no. So then, so, uh, so that was that. And then I tried to put myself in her position and I just thought with that information suddenly thrown on top of you, I think what happens is that you just get all of these questions that quickly swim into your head and you can't quite deal with them or list them or anything and they just keep coming the more you think about them so what I tried to do was just fairly systematically answer those questions and that's what kind of makes up the body of the letter is just me going through what I assume would be her most pressing questions and sort of tried to anticipate them and answer them in effect answer her questions before she had them and so the first thing I said is you don't need to be worried I'm not being exploited by anybody. I'm extremely careful about my health. I refuse work that I don't think is safe. I am never coerced into doing anything I don't want to do. Work is always prearranged. And very importantly, I, at this point, immediately told her about my regular visits to the clinic. You know, I, I go regularly. I have treatment when I need it. Uh, I take PrEP, which for those of you that don't know, is a pill that protects you from transmission of HIV as long as you take it regularly, which I do. So immediately, I think I got the existential question out of the way. It was like, your son is not sick. <laughs> He's not going to get sick. If he does get sick, he gets treatment very quickly. He's not going to die. <laughs> you know, mother concern number one, is my child going to die? <laughs> is 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 kind of what I wanted to just kind of nip in the bud and be like, it's all good. Physical structure is okay. And, you know, then we can go on to other things. It's a lovely physical structure, just saying. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. <laughs> Carry on. It's a podcast, so no one will ever know. But... No, I know. But for, for the benefit of you all listening, he's dancing around with his tits out. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I can recommend it. Sorry. Carry am on. I dancing or my tits? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, then I explained that this isn't something that I'm doing because I'm stuck for money or because, you know, in a financially precarious situation. Not that that's a bad reason for doing sex work. I mean, you know, people do sex work for all sorts of reasons, but that's not my case. So I told her that that wasn't my case. 
I still have income as a scientist, you know, and I, I, at this point, I just wanted to reinforce to her that everything that I'm doing is because I choose to do it. I'm not in some sort of horrible exploitive contract. I, I choose the work. The work is well paid for the amount of time it takes. It's usually quite fun. It often involves travel. I meet interesting people. Some of those people have become good friends. You know, I just wanted to get all of these points out so that as well as being physically fine, I'm also emotionally and financially secure and everything is is okay in that sense. So to immediately get rid of the idea that sex work is something people do necessarily because they have to, because they have no other choice, because it's the last option. It may be for some people and that's okay too, but one should never assume that sex workers are doing it because they have no other option, because they have no other skills or because any other of these sort of desperate reasons that are often put onto sex workers. It's very often not the case and it should never be assumed. It does look fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As an observer and, you know, quite an enthusiastic observer at times, <clears throat> it does look like everyone involved is enjoying themselves. Well, then we're doing our job. Because <laughs> no, it is fun. And it, it doesn't have to be fun for it to be okay. I should quickly put that out there. People... People never insist that people that flip burgers must be having fun or they're in some sort of unacceptable line of work. You know, there's there's a sort of acceptance in the world that we may not always love our job and it may not be fun 24 hours a day and it may not be super fulfilling and we may not love every minute of it. But, you know, I don't think sex work has to be fun to be valid and to be considered work. It is work and it's a lot of hard work as well, even though it is fun, um, particularly the bits that the public gets to see are very fun. But alongside that, there is a lot of hard work in terms of editing and promotion and scheduling and all these sorts of things. So, yeah, um, the the fun and the work go hand in hand. It's fun. It's not easy. Is probably the best way to put it. Then I just let her know that my boyfriend was well aware of what I was doing because once she realized that I was okay... The next thing she would think about is, is my boyfriend okay? Because she's very fond of him too. So I think <laughs> having established that her own flesh and blood was all good, I think her next thing would be like, oh my God, how is the boyfriend? So I just wanted to reassure her that, well, we're in an open relationship, which I sort of had to, again, quickly explain what that means in case she didn't know, because she probably didn't. And reassure her that this wasn't something that I was doing on the sly. This wasn't something that was happening without my boyfriend knowing I wasn't sneaking around and doing it. It wasn't something that was causing him daily distress. It's something that we talk about and it's something that we manage in the relationship. It comes with its unique complications, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. But find me a relationship that doesn't have <laughs> some sort of unique set of complications. Those are ours and, and we deal with them. And then I kind of went into just a little bit more detail. So having sort of covered the major points of being physically fine and being financially okay and being emotionally all good and the boyfriend's all right too. And then I just sort of went on to explain that, you know, I'm not dealing with five clients a day and then filming in the evening or something like that. You know, it was, um, you know, that I am still focusing on my academic career as well, which is important that I still spend time with my boyfriend, that I'm still training and looking after myself and all that sort of thing. I also explained that working with sex work doesn't necessarily mean that you're working with horrible, unscrupulous people. There is often this very, very false and unfortunate assumption that all clients of sex workers and all 
producers in in the porn industry are horrible, greasy old men and drug addicts and all this sort of thing. When actually, as I say in the letter, most of the people that I work with are educated, clever, kind people with many aspects to their life. And many, like me, are in meaningful relationships of their own. Some of them have other day jobs. Some of them are studying. Some of them, you know, people have a lot going on in their lives. It's sex work is not all that they're about. And people don't just get into sex work and don't engage with sex work as well, even as clients or consumers, because they're desperate or because they're so unattractive that nobody wants them. You know, the people that I have as clients and as customers and subscribers run the full spectrum of attractiveness and interestingness and height and weight. (laughs) I feel that the people who engage with my sex work are a pretty good representation of the population at large. There's a good spread of people at all ends of whichever kind of spectrum you want to look at. And then I think a really important thing was to tell her why I was telling her and why now, because obviously it it sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, I spent some time writing it, but for her, it just sort of arrived in an email one evening. I might just read this bit because it speaks for itself, I suppose. So why am I telling you this? Why now? Some people told me not to tell you. I think they underestimate you. I'm sure you will find this surprising and a little challenging to digest, but I know you have always supported me and trusted me to find my own way. You've never been afraid to learn new things and be open to new ideas. You've always listened to me. Most importantly, you've taught me to be compassionate and to be kind, which brings me to why I'm telling you all of this right now. I've recently started campaigning and advocating for sexual health organizations. I promote safe sex, health education, and HIV prevention. And because I have a certain following, as a porn actor, I can reach a large audience. Many of the people who follow me live in places where they don't have access to decent information, health services, or positive role models. I make it known that I'm a qualified academic without saying where I work, obviously. So when I do talk about medication and disease transmission and other health matters, people know that they can trust me. I'm proud of my work. I've received messages from people telling me that I've helped them to understand and manage the risks in their life. I've given them confidence. Some people have told me they were afraid to go to a clinic until I showed them that it was easy and that getting tested is is quick and, and relatively painless. People have thanked me for providing information that they couldn't get because they live in environments where people can't talk about sex or, or sexual health or or anything like that. So my face is out there with a different name attached to it and attached to a sexual public personality, but doing what I believe to be kind and compassionate things. We don't live in a private world anymore. Inevitably, things connect. And I've always known that you might eventually find out. I didn't want you to say, why didn't you tell me? So I'm telling you. I didn't want you to ask why I thought I couldn't trust you, because I trust you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. After that, there wasn't really much more else to say, so I, I just sort of let her know that, of course, she's going to have more questions and, you know, concerns and advice and warnings, and that that was perfectly normal because she's my mother. And to help out a little bit, I also gave her some words to use, because sometimes it's hard to talk about something if it's something that you've never spoken about before, or you've never, you know, you don't normally speak about. I told her... <laughs> the vocabulary, you know, shooting if it's still photography and filming if it's, you know, a porn film. And when I escort, I generally say I have a client, the phrases to use. And sometimes it's helpful just to have the words and to have a bit of a script that you can follow if you've never talked about something like this before. So I just thought that might be helpful. And lastly, I just put her in touch with some other people, including my boyfriend, that she could talk about it with if she didn't want to necessarily talk to me about it and just to reassure her that I wasn't, you know, alone in this, this aspect of my life, that there were people who, who I could talk to and, and who were looking out for me and, and things like that. So obviously I'm not going to name those people specifically here, but they were all included. And finally I said, I don't know how else to wrap this up except to say that I love you, which hopefully covers anything that I've missed. And that was that. Oh, <laughs> and so that was packaged and I attached it to an email and just sent the email and said, there's something that I want to tell you and it's in the letter and please read it and take as long as you need to think it over and digest it and let me know when you're ready to talk about it. And that doesn't need to be straight away. But she did get back to me straight away. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, she read it, you know, perhaps too quickly. I was like, <laughs> do you know how long I spent writing <laughs> Could you take some time? But no, she read it and she, you know, later told me that she read it several times and still has it. You know, she said all of the things that I expected her to because she's pretty wonderful. And, you know, she just reassured me that, you know, as long as I was happy and as long as I was looking after myself, then that was all that mattered. And I think that's what you really hope to hear when you tell somebody something like this, whatever it is that you're telling them. Yeah. How did you feel? How did it feel, like, knowing that she knew and that she was supporting you and things? It was a weight off, but it was also, in a sense, it was sort of exciting because I, I was looking forward to being able to talk to her about it in the future. This wasn't, I didn't intend this to be something that, that I told her and then it was accepted and never spoken about again. <laughs> the idea of this was, like, here is an aspect of my life which I haven't shared with you yet, and there's no good reason for me not to share it with you. So I'm sharing it with you. 
And my intention is to continue sharing this with you in the future, which is what has happened. So as well as being relieved in that sense, there was also this sort of excitement about the future and being able to, to talk about work with mum. You know what I mean? You know, mum always says, how's work? And so it's nice to be able to, and I don't tell her obviously all the ins and outs, but because <laughs> she doesn't want to know, but I can tell her that work is going well and I've had some good exposure and the numbers are good. And yeah, rather than, oh, I came away like a plasterer's radio yesterday. Yeah. And things like uh, that. Yeah. She, just I, she wouldn't understand no. that anyway. <laughs> It was just nice. It was just nice to, to let her in, in that sense. And then also I felt, you know, incredibly smug because I had this reply ready for everyone that, you know, says, what if your mother found out? <laughs> it was like someone had given me a spear that I could just poke people with every time they say that. Well, she does. So that was that. Was that. This worked for me in my situation with, with me and my mum being the two very specific people that we are. Um, I'm not saying that everybody should write a letter to their mom to tell them they do sex work. Um, <laughs> um, but if you are doing sex work and your mom doesn't know, consider why you haven't told her, maybe. Um, and it might be for very good reasons. And it might be for your own safety. So, you know, I, I would really like to emphasize that, you know, this is not a, a general call for everybody to suddenly come out because um, as as helpful and as healthy as that can be, it's not necessarily um, the right thing for everybody in every situation. Especially with lockdowns and... Especially with lockdowns. Yeah. Like but don't, at the same time, don't underestimate people. It's very easy to sort of pack people into boxes and say, oh, my mother's very conservative. She could never deal with this. And I think, you know, really ask yourself based on your experience with that person, how would they really respond? You might be surprised. So apart from, you know, your mum or your boss finding out, do you get mm. people recognizing you? Is that a thing? Yeah. Um, can you walk down the street nowadays or are you too famous? No, no, no. I can walk down the street. I'm, <laughs> I'm not nearly that famous. But I do get recognized here and there. And it depends on the situation. Very often I'm in public with other people and mostly people are sort of quite respectful of that. So you just get a lot of smirks as they walk past or people just sort of their eyes linger on you in a way that lets you know that they know that you... So that's usually how I kind of clock that I've been recognized. And for the most part, people are sort of content to just sort of leave it at the smirk or the wink or, or, or whatever. If I'm on my own, people are generally more inclined to actually come and speak to me because obviously then they know they're not sort of disrupting some kind of social situation. I mean, particularly at work, you know, I work in a building with a lot of people. It's a busy sort of university institute. And, you know, occasionally you'll cross people in the stairs that kind of just give you a look that lets you know that they possibly burst a load to you <laughs> the night before, um, you know, and you're kind of left to. Um, so, no, I'm not, I'm not that famous that it's problematic. I'm probably just that nice level of famous <laughs> where I get my ego stroked from time to time, but it doesn't really prevent me from doing anything. I, I'm delighted when people I was going to say, come and speak to me like as well. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I'm always very flattered. And it, it doesn't always come at the most convenient times, sure. But it's, it's people being kind. And I don't think you can ever have a problem with people being kind. If you do, you're an asshole. And how did you get into the porn industry in the first place? Quite unusually, I didn't sort of apply. I didn't really make any... <laughs> I didn't make any efforts myself. And in fact, I hadn't even really given it much thought but i had an instagram which had some sort of thirsty gym pics on it and stuff 
And Tim Kruger of Tim Tales fame sent me a message one day and said, hey, we should do a video. <laughs> I was, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. It's the Hollywood dream. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was very flattered and kind of thought about it and said that I sort of thought that I was interested, but could he give me a bit more information? And so he told me like, okay, well, you know, we'll fly you down to Barcelona and we'll film a scene together and you know, was very professional and reassuring and, you know, all the, all the things that you hope somebody will be when they are essentially inviting you into an industry. So I felt safe and I felt encouraged. And so I, I went for it. I kind of thought over, you know, what if people find out? And I decided at the time that I don't really think that we live in a world of absolute privacy anymore. I don't think that you can keep everything to yourself or keep parts of your life hidden indefinitely. I think eventually things will connect. And, and it's probably best if you just assume that one day they will. So I got into porn knowing that one day my mother might find out, my boss might find out, and I would have to have those conversations with me. So before I agreed to get started, I did say to myself, could I have that conversation with these people? Because one day I will probably have to. And I realized that I could, so I did. And yeah, it wasn't until a few years later that I really was prompted to think, okay, I could have that conversation if I had to, but why should I wait until I have to? Because as I said in the bit that I read, I had no reason not to share that with my mom. I had every reason to trust her. And, and there, there would just be something a bit unpleasant about her finding out without my having told her. And then wondering why I hadn't told her because she's done all the right things in terms of being supportive and being concerned for my well-being and all that sort of stuff. So it felt like a, a disservice not to be the one to tell her. Would you have any advice for anyone who's thinking of getting into the porn industry? Yeah, I think probably similar advice that I would give to somebody who was thinking about getting a tattoo. You know, you need to identify what what things you can't come back from once the ink is in in your skin it's there you know and, and getting it out is really painful once you have recorded something and put it on the internet it's totally out of your hands it's gone before you can count to three it's been copied and reposted and people have downloaded it and you might have legal recourse to have things removed from certain places but it takes a long time and it's painful and by the time you've done that it's popped up somewhere else as well. So the idea that you can be in control of this is, I think, fantasy. So if you are thinking about it, just really be sure that you are okay with that. Be sure that you are okay with your content and with your image and with your naked butt being out there permanently and that anybody could see it. And don't assume that no one will see it. Don't assume that your mother will never see it. Don't assume that your boss will never see it. Assume that they will and ask yourself what you will do when that happens. And... If you feel like that's something that you can deal with, then go for it. If you feel like that would cause you distress, then you need to ask yourself if you're really doing the right thing. I like that. Mm. I, also, I, I like the idea of your boss seeing it and, um, or <laughs> even a potential boss seeing it because then you know you can use it in an interview. Like, look, I'm, I'm a team player. <laughs> I work well with everyone. That was probably true. The multi-award-winning storytelling series written and produced by me, the multi-award-winning Scott Flashheart. It was designed to remind all of my queer siblings that we are none of us alone. 
You can find links, transcripts of every episode, and all that good stuff at probablytruepodcast.com. If you enjoyed or found value in anything you've heard today, you can support the show on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash probablytrue. And if you want to get in touch, just search Probably True Podcast on the socials. Today's Patreon compliments go to Jeremy, who, much like Cher, doesn't need a surname, and someone who calls themselves Shambolic Adult. Jeremy is the kind of person who won't send you nudes without enthusiastic consent. And Shambolic Adult manages to get across in just five syllables the same vibe I do in my entire podcast. Well done them for being so concise, I suppose. If you'd like a Patreon compliment of your very own, then all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash probably true. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.